Hi folks, I am Yash. Welcome to a fresh episode of the Curious About Sales podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things related to sales in business and life. My dear guest for today is Mr. Yash Reddy, currently Chief Business Officer and previously VP for Sales at Mo Engage. Post graduating from IIT KGP and then IIM Cal in 2012, Yash started out in investment banking at Bank of America and then shifted to a career in tech sales at Mo Engage. For the past five years, he has been busy scaling up the company, during which they've raised a total of $40 million in VC funding. So, by leveraging data analytics and marketing automation, MoEngage is changing how companies interact with their customers by helping them personalize their customer interactions at scale, be it on email, SMS, in-app, or on the web. Welcome to the podcast, Yash. Excited to talk to you today. Thanks a lot, Yash. For having me here today it almost feels like yash talking to yash but i guess it is what it is uh yeah. great to be on this podcast and it's very interesting to see we're doing something very specific to sales uh and give, trying to give back to the community about things that we've learned i wish there were more resources like this when we started off but very encouraging to see a very dedicated podcast specifically for sales Interesting. Thank you very much for that. Uh, so, uh, by the way, uh, did, did I miss, miss anything in your introduction that you would want to add on? I think you summed it up pretty well. Uh, just to sort of give the uh, listeners a quick background of MoEngage, we are a customer engagement platform. We help mm-hmm. brands build one-on-one personalized and highly relevant interactions with their customers at scale. And essentially, we work with the likes of Ola, Big Basket, Ghana, all of these guys, trying to help them with all things engagement and retention. So yeah, that's what we've been building for the last five five plus years. Interesting. Perfect. So uh, yes, I, I wanted to start out with uh, uh, when you were in investment banking at Bank of America, and and then you shifted into the world of sales. So how did this, how did this transition sort of happen? Sure, I think. Uh, Rather than transitioning directly into sales, given it was a very early stage startup, pre-series and all of that, it was more about transitioning to a product company first uh, from purely hardcore finance job. And, you know, typically as an analyst in an investment bank, all you're doing is looking at hundreds and hundreds of pages of annual reports, looking at, you know, a lot of industry trends, crunching numbers, building models and all of that. And on the other hand, I saw that mobile is, you know, on a huge uprise in India, right? And all over Asia for that matter. And I knew Ravi from quite some time. And uh, it was very interesting that he was building a product which is absolutely mobile first, uh, completely, uh, you know, essentially a white field or greenfield opportunity per se, in terms of the kind of market that we were going after. And uh, what I could also see was that over a period of time, the entire user engagement, the entire brand engagement was meant to transition to mobile first or you know mobile only in a lot of cases in Asia, right? So we, we, we skipped that entire phase of you know desktop, web, uh, mobile web and all of that. And we directly transitioned to mobile apps in a, in a lot of Asian countries, right? And that was the exciting part for me. And it was very exciting that we were building a product specifically uh, from that perspective. So yeah, that's, that's what led to the transition, I would say. 
Interesting, interesting. So uh, can can we talk about the different stages of, of growth at more engage? Basically, like uh, when you started out with your initial set of customers, then kind of finding the product market fit and, and then scaling from there. So uh, how did this evolution happen? And, and was there a change in the sales strategies that, that you kind of adopted in these different stages? So to be honest, I think I'd say we're still going through this process across different markets that we operate in. Right. Uh -huh. So every time we launch a new market, uh, we're constantly trying to find that product market fit very relevant to that specific market, uh, okay. identify what's working and then scale it up from there. Right. So I'd say, uh, you know, it's an iterative process. Uh, it's at different stages in different markets that we operate in. So it's mm -hmm. important for us to identify what works best in each of the countries that we go to, right? Be it mm -hmm. in terms of the sectors that we go after or be it in terms of the value that we offer to the customers that we're talking to, or th Correct. things like the pricing power, right? Like, so it huh. varies a lot from country to country, depending on the competition, depending on who we are replacing, or is this like the first time a company is using a CRM solution? So a lot of, lot of factors come into all, uh, identifying what really works for us in that particular country. So it's important for us to, you know, keep experimenting and finding that right uh, fit I'd say in that particular market, and then doubling down on it, right? Having said that, um, you know, we, we saw early success in India with, with very rapid adoption uh, from a lot of mobile first brands like, you know, Taxi for sure, for people who remember, um, you know, Heel, uh -huh. Ghana, and the likes of uh, all of these brands. And essentially, what we then said was, how do we take this to a global scale, right? So we always wanted to build a global enterprise SaaS company from India. Uh, so essentially, once we saw that, you know, it's a mission critical product and not like a nice to have product that we built out based on the experience of working with these brands in India. Our mm -hmm. next uh, point was to, you know, the conventional wisdom at that point of time for many SaaS businesses building around us in India was that everyone was trying to go West if you really wanted to expand your business outside India, right? Uh, but we decided to look okay. East in, re in retrospect, I think we were really pleased that we went against the tide and it worked out in our favor. Uh, uh -huh. But essentially, we, we went to Indonesia, we tried replicating everything we did in India and obviously customizing everything to the local nuances and all of that. So we spent a lot of time getting to a product market fit stage and then uh, scaling up from there. So it's, uh -huh. it's, from a sales strategy standpoint, I think uh, the, the biggest difference I see is from a zero to one phase to a one to 10 phase, right? So zero to one phase is a lot about identifying uh, what's the value prop of our product to different, uh, you know, the, the first 10 customers. I think a lot of documentation is needed in that phase. So that's where uh, we personally spend a lot of time in every new market that we go to, to understand what's really working, right? And then once we know what's working, like I said, when we're trying to double down, it's it's also more about then building a playbook uh, and Correct. then up your uh, you know sales and go-to-market resources to make sure whatever's working in that market, you just double down on the resources for that. Correct. Okay. So that's part of the approach that we took. Interesting. So uh, you, you, of course, mentioned about uh, kind of strategizing for the different markets, uh, understanding them, first of all. So is there like a, is, is there like a, a pattern in which you try to identify the markets first? And then also, how do you understand what, what, what are the characteristics that you look for uh, when look, getting into a market? 
Sure, I think uh, for us, we know that the sweet spot for us is any any economy is going through the entire uh, mobile app, you know, hyper growth phase, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's like uh, easy sweet spot for us because uh, a product like ours is absolutely mission critical for any mobile app uh, growing beyond a certain scale, right? Okay. So beyond that, essentially, what we also look for is um, you know. Uh, how do we sort of look at the entire cross-channel marketing automation space? Uh, where are the spends like, and where are the where are these companies who are you know sort of transitioning to either a mobile-first approach or transitioning to going through that entire digital transformation experience, so that uh, you know the, the product is sort of hits the sweet spot there again. Correct. And and you talked about like understanding the, these these markets. So from from that perspective, like within east eastern countries as well uh, the, the behavior pattern is different among your customers so uh, is there something that you do to kind of understand what kind of uh, selling strategies or communication strategies would work in these individual countries sure i think uh, i mean the first thing that we do whenever we are trying to launch in a new country is to first speak to uh, a lot of marketers in that market right just to understand okay. what are the kind of problems that they're facing and how different are they from our traditional playbooks and all of that, right? Uh, okay. So beyond that, it, it comes down to the cultural nuances of the local market, the different ways of selling in, in, in the local markets and all of that, right? And also it's important to understand the buyer personas, right? Uh, yes. Buyer persona in each of the market could be very different. Uh, you know, for instance, a head of growth in India could be the signing off authority for a product like ours. But mm -hmm. uh, if you're like, say, targeting a telecom customer in Europe, uh, typically, uh, you know, the decision maker is someone like a head of uh, customer lifecycle management or uh, a customer value management kind of a person, right? So it's okay. important to understand what your buyer personas are, what their motivations are, why would they look for a product like this uh, in the first place, and then understand the entire uh, selling process in itself, right? Uh, it's also important to understand the different stakeholders that would be there in the entire sales process, because that also varies from market to market, right? So for instance, Correct. in a market, uh, in one market, it could just be that uh, the, the uh, retention marketing team or the digital marketing team uh, is taking a decision for a product like this completely in mm -hmm. red. But depending on the scale of the company and depending on the market, there could be scenarios where we are talking to at least, say four to five different teams, 15 to 20 different people, a few of them could be influencers, few of them could be decision makers and someone else is like a signing off authority altogether, right? So, and depending on the different personas who are involved in the sales process, your entire selling strategies also need to change, right? So for us, we are talking to a product person uh, versus if we are talking to a, you know, a retention marketing person, the language that we need to speak is completely different. Correct. Probably it, there would be like 30-40% overlap, but beyond that, you really need to understand what the motivations of a product person are to be looking for uh -huh. a product like this, and then tailor your messaging towards that. Correct. Correct. So, so all of that is a learning at a market level, I would say. Interesting. And uh, 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 did you, like, were you selling out of India all this time, or did you have folks locally in, in the respective geographies? So we have salespeople uh, spread across nine different cities now across the world. So uh, okay. I have a lot of uh, on-ground resources as well across London, Berlin, Jakarta, Ho Chi Minh, Singapore, 
a lot of places, a lot of markets that we operate in, we do have field resources as well. But having said okay. that, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, outbound activities, demand generation activities are still centralized in India with the field okay. sales being localized in the countries that we operate in. Correct. Correct. Interesting. Perfect. Uh, also, uh, like initially you mentioned the fact that you 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 started by going towards east right? and, and not to the Silicon Valley, uh, probably. Uh, any, any particular reason as such for this? So, I mean, uh, just to sort of uh, maybe explain it a bit more. So, we, we started expanding to both east and west over a period of time, right? So, obviously, uh -huh. this is where uh, a lot of marketing spends are on the CRM side of it as well, right? So, uh -huh. Correct. A lot of our focus remained on the East. So we went to Indonesia in late 2015 uh, when the mark app ecosystem in itself was very, very nascent. But I think one of the key things that attracted to uh, us to that market was the similarities to the entire Indian ecosystem, right? Like uh, when we looked at mm -hmm. that, uh, the entire Indonesian ecosystem, uh, they had about uh, close to uh, anywhere between three. I think last, when we were trying to enter that market, there were about 300 million smartphone users that could potentially be there, right? Uh, with huge, uh, huge, huge market potential. And secondly, the entire uh, dynamics, right? Like they were also looking to skip that entire desktop era and transition directly to a mobile only uh, kind of an ecosystem, right? And uh, also the, the patterns of apps that were being developed, uh, it was a similar kind of wave that was uh, going on. And we felt like, you know, probably whatever learnings we had in India, we could mm -hmm. quickly, uh, you know, iterate on top of that and, you know, uh, be there in the ecosystem really early on. And that really helped us because for the first 12 months, all we were doing was, uh, you know, educating and building awareness in the ecosystem about the need for a product like this and sharing learnings from, from India in terms of what people have seen, in terms of what companies who've gone through that similar hyper growth phase uh, have seen, right? And building that relationships. So that really helped. And uh, so, yeah, uh, it, it felt like a natural transition for us. Interesting. Perfect. So, uh, yes, uh, uh, like uh, you, of course, transition from uh, investment banking into a, into a product company and, and then uh, were handling the sales. So uh, what was your process like to learn the art of sales? And, and if I may ask, like, what are the three things, key things that you, you found out? I don't think I've mastered the art of sales yet. I think it's a constant uh, yeah. learning process, I'd say. But I think yeah. few things that have, that have definitely been helping me and the team are, um, you know, one key thing when, when whenever you're looking at enterprise product sales mm -hmm. is also, mm -hmm. and something which translates to our brand vision and brand guidelines as well, is around being absolutely customer obsessed, right? And yeah. use that word with a lot of caution as well, because it's really important to be, uh, you know, absolutely obsessed about our customers' end customers, right? Keeping... Mm -hmm their end users at the center of everything that we do. And when yeah. we start doing that and start to build backwards, right? The entire sales process also evolves in itself, right? So instead of trying to force fit a feature that you've built to a prospect, mm -hmm. you'd suddenly start, you know, empathizing with, with, the, with the prospect that you're selling to, understand what their problems would be like, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's important to make sure that you educate the prospect that, Hey, we are on the same team, right? We are focused on the same problem, right? Your problem is yeah. my problem. 
let's collectively think about how do we better engage our customers engage our end users how do we better retain them you spend millions of dollars on acquisition now how do you retain mm -hmm. them better right so Correct. if every person in my team every person in the go to market team is talking that language which is very similar to what the prospects language is right so they are also constantly thinking about the same thing so it becomes yes. easy to empathize and you know uh, build that relationship with the person that you're trying to sell to right so that slowly becomes like you know uh, one you're educating the prospect and at the same time you're sort of establishing yourself as a thought leader in the whole buying process right so you're not trying to force sell a product uh, mm -hmm. but essentially you're committing to the success of the customer right and especially in saas sales because it's a subscription based product it's really yeah. important to understand what the long term goals of of the prospects are and commit uh -huh. to the, uh, and commit to those goals right and when i say commit it goes much beyond the initial sales process itself right so every single person in our team uh, continues to hold the relationship through the lifetime of the of the relationship with moengage right so it's not like we sell to a customer and walk away and you know hand it off to the account manager management team and uh, walk away from that but they continue to manage that relationship because it's important to speak to them on a quarter on quarter basis understand what their goals are what the what are they trying to achieve and constantly be there with them to see one how can they use our product better two how do we modify the product to sort of achieve the goals that they're looking for in that particular quarter right uh, and that that's really really helped us as well because uh, you know it's a very dynamic environment at the end of the day right and everyone's goals everyone's metrics are constantly changing so if yeah. we are constantly thinking about the met, uh, the end user metrics and the end user experience we're able to deliver that value to the customers right so then it becomes a lot more value based selling and a value based relationship building rather than a one off transactional experience right Correct. that's i think i'd say that's one of the key traits that that we've been trying to build in the system right apart from that i think uh, you know a, a good thing about a great sales rep at all points of time is they can articulate really well about why our product right hmm. but a not so good thing about this is at times they get lost in this process and they get too focused on why my product why not something else right so they just become too focused about trying to sell the product that they have i think the mm -hmm. really important thing here is to focus on listening to the listening to the customer right okay. a lot of lot of the uh, selling process can be simplified if we understand the right questions to ask the customer if you understand how do we uh, you know understand what the motivations are like i was uh, talking about earlier as well and listen as much as as you can in the entire process right so we constantly encourage uh, and we track things like you know how often are my sales people talking in the entire sales process versus how much of time are they letting the customer talk right and that's really important because a lot of value based selling can easily happen if you first listen to the customer well and yeah. let the customer articulate what their problems are in a very detailed yes. right and last but not the least i think one thing that i've learned over a period of uh, last couple of years uh, through the hiring process is also that it's really important to hire people who you can coach and not people who you need to train a lot right 
every sales rep has their own you know uh, unique way of selling has their own mojo i would say uh, you yeah. really don't want to disrupt and mold them to do everything your way right ideally yeah. as a sales leader as a sales mentor all you need to do is as hire folks who have that learning agility and you just need to coach them to make sure they're on the right path and to make sure they're following the playbook that's been working for the company but not people who you need to like you know specifically train every single aspect because one one thing which becomes really important for uh, hyper growth companies like us is people who you hire today end up becoming leaders in you know one or two year time frame because we're growing and these people will becoming will become mentors and leaders in in like yeah. one four month time frame right yeah. so it's really important to find those people who have that learning agility and are very coachable right so those interest those are some of the things that that i have personally seen that interesting so yeah just just to summarize like you mentioned about customer obsessiveness uh, and and then of course listening to the customers and then finding people who are coachable and do not require a lot of hand holding or probably a lot of training uh, and and can get into the system easily absolutely yeah so ayesh uh, on the third point then because this is probably one of the uh, one of the pain points that uh, i have observed and and probably heard from other people as well that hiring seems to be a challenge specifically hiring sales folks is 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 a sort of a challenge uh, especially for the sdr roles and and account executive roles because once you have good sdrs and account executives you can have and they grow into the system they become good managers uh, eventually but so uh, how like have you faced a similar situation and how do you tackle this problem yeah i mean i think uh, it's an ongoing problem for us even now uh, also because there have been very few enterprise saas sales companies uh, which have been selling in asia uh, right for for us to sort of find that right uh, kind of talent pool so what we end up doing is we'll, we'll we have to hire people uh like i said i'm going back to the point that i made earlier uh, it's important to find people who have that learning agility and who are coachable mm-hmm. because you don't have straight out the, uh, fits for the kind of role that we are hiring for right so you don't have people for 6 years experienced into asian enterprise saas sales right? so when you don't have people who come from that exactly similar background then you're left with trying to find people who are actually intellectually curious are uh, willing to learn willing to uh, and more importantly willing to un- unlearn what they've already learned right yeah. so that it be- it becomes easier to coach right yes it continues to be an ongoing challenge even for us uh, at this point of time but i think the way we are trying to solve for it is trying to find people uh, who are young who are motivated who are very uh, you know coachable and at the same time investing uh, a lot of time into uh, the entire training ramping up and mentoring process right a lot of lot of learning also happens on the job so yeah. we let them shadow the senior folks in the team for you know a longer period of time so that they get to learn on the job as well and we slowly ramp them up from like say a $12000 a year kind of a deal to $100000 plus a year deal over a period of time right but but yeah it continues to be a big challenge understood 
That's perfect. Uh, yeah, so uh, yes, uh, then kind of probably uh, coming toward the end of the podcast, uh, I want to ask you this question that uh, uh, you, you've kind of like looking at your life, you've you've done well academically, of course, uh, investment banking is, is a coveted career as well. And then MoEngage right now is, is doing pretty well as well. So uh, from, from that perspective, what are those one or two things uh, that you think personally you do very well and I have worked for you in life? <laughs> Sure, at the, at the risk of repeating myself, I think, uh, so just to give some perspective, right, like I did my, uh, you know, undergrad in a topic called agricultural engineering, which is completely different from what I do today, which is trying to do tech sales for an AI-powered customer engagement platform, right? So I think one thing which has remained constant through this process is, uh, you know, the willingness to completely unlearn and learn new things. Right? Identify those topics of interest and be an absolute master of few things at any given point of time. Right? Okay. Uh, there, is, there are enough resources out there, uh, especially off late in the ecosystem around the things that you want to learn. It's really mm-hmm. important to identify what really uh, interests you at that point in time right? and constantly keep learning. I, I, I think one mantra that's really, really helped me is the learning agility right okay. uh, that, that's the main thing i'd say and secondly i think it's it's important to have intellectual honesty you know what you know and you don't know what you don't know i i don't think any shame in admitting things that you don't know it's important mm-hmm. to seek advice about things you don't know about how you can make a better version of yourself every single month right uh, okay. there's enough mentorship advice guidance available in the ecosystem now uh, not just on uh, you know, in terms of podcasts, in terms of people just available for mentoring on Twitter, you'd be surprised to see the kind of responses you'd get if you just put out a tweet saying that, hey, this is the topic I'm looking to, keen to learn about. Is there someone willing to mentor me? Right? So there's, there's so many people willing to help today, but it's really, really important to have that understanding of what you really want to learn. And don't be afraid to seek out for help. Right? And don't be afraid to keep learning. I, I think these are the things that I keep following. And, and yeah, a uh, lot of sub stacks, a lot of newsletters, a lot of podcasts. That's what uh, keeps me on the top of the trends of the ecosystem. And that's what drives me every day. Uh, I, I still spend a lot of time anywhere close to eight to 10 hours every week, just learning uh, from the different sources. I think that's what helps me stay on top of them. Stay on top of things. Interesting. Wow. Uh, so like, I, I want to ask you this now that, of course, like even uh, from the, the point that you mentioned that you have a lot of podcasts, newsletters, Substack, everything coming into you. And, uh, but from that perspective, a challenge that I personally find is that we kind of live in a uh, age of information overload and it becomes very difficult for me to uh, kind of, first of all, uh, remember the things that I'm reading a lot and then also to choose what I should read upon. So is there a system that you've built that kind of uh, uh, not fall into the, uh, fall, fall into this uh, kind of tunnel of information overload? So, so I think very valid question. I go through that problem myself. So what I've started doing is identify one source for every topic that I'm keen about. Correct. Like for instance, yeah. like say everything related to strategy, everything related to uh, you know tech business and all of that. Strategy by Ben Thompson is my go-to source, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I religiously follow that. 
Uh, and you know, it's, it's important to find similar sources, right? Like who are sort of authoritative sources on that topic. And I just make notes on everything I read, even today, on Notion, uh, on what really keeps me, uh, what really excites me on that particular topic, what's really being talk, talked about a lot of that. And essentially identifying, like I said, one source, right? Like let's say, for instance, there's someone called Finshots who does a very great job of simplifying the all the happenings in the financial world for a, a regular reader in India, right? A very yeah. short newsletter takes four to yeah. five minutes in the morning, but you're very updated about uh, that one key topic in the world of finance through this newsletter, yeah. right? Good. So as long as you're able to identify that one thing, uh, yeah, so you should be able to keep track of it. Interesting. Perfect. So uh, that that kind of brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you very much, Yash, for the time. Uh, pleasure, pleasure speaking to you. Pleasure is mine. And I hope this is useful for people as well. And happy to hear if there are any comments, please, please feel free to connect on LinkedIn and drop a message at any point of time if there are any questions at all. Perfect. Perfect. So uh, th- thank you folks for tuning into another episode of Curious About Sales. I hope you enjoyed this session with Yash Reddy. Uh, until the next time, take care of yourself and stay safe.